A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lippincott resources, visit amsa.org WK. Get ready. For physicians in training in the U.S., the global refugee crisis isn't just a series of abstract arguments in your newsfeed. You will encounter refugees even as a trainee. Welcome to AMSA AdLib. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Understanding the distinctions and similarities between refugees and other underserved populations, including immigrant populations, is a critical skill in effective care. Pavitra Krishnamani is making refugee health part of her career and will be speaking on it at AMSA's annual convention next month. Well, hello, uh, my name is Pavitra Krishnamani. I am a second year medical student at Thomas Jefferson University. Um, and I have a master's degree in global medicine from Keck School of Medicine at USC. I work quite a bit in global health, mostly in refugee health, um, but I also do get a chance to go abroad and do work there. So at convention, you're going to be talking about the journey of refugees. What is that journey? So a refugee's journey really begins with forced migration. Um, A lot of individuals will move in groups. Some people will move individually. Um, It may happen in automobiles. It may happen on foot, um, in caravan. But really, it is forced migration. And individuals kind of go from there to living in refugee camps for a certain period of time. And this can go on for a very long period of time. Um, I've worked with refugees who have lived in refugee camps for over 20 years which is an incredibly long period of time to be sleeping in a tent, essentially, um, and and living in that environment. Um, After that, some refugees will have the opportunity to repatriate. Uh, The Yazidi refugees who are displaced from Iraq may actually have a chance to repatriate with, uh, with their region really being taken back. But many, many others do resettle. And the U.S. resettles a very high number of refugees. I believe a few years ago, under the Obama administration, we resettled nearly 70,000 refugees. And that number stayed pretty high since then. In a refugee camp, these individuals essentially live in a limbo. They're not sure what's going to happen next. There's an entire sense of impermanence. Um, And... After a certain period of time, if discussions with the country of origin fail to result in repatriation, other countries will offer to take these individuals in um, so they can immigrate, essentially, into the country that they're coming into. And the U.S. does a lot of that. Um, Europe has become definitely much more open to doing that recently, but the U.S. has a strong history of doing that. How much distinction is there, if, if any really, between the different refugee experiences in, say, different continents or sort of in, you know, there have been some longstanding refugee situations, certainly in Africa and elsewhere in the world. Obviously, there's some, some new, uh, newer refugee situations going up and through Europe that you were mentioning. What, is there a distinction really in those different experiences? Absolutely. Every refugee story is deeply personal and unique. Um, But there are certain experiences that these individuals share that can clue us into things that will help us work with them better as healthcare providers. For medical students in the United States or physicians, you know, will they encounter refugees? Yes, absolutely. Refugees are immigrants into our country like other immigrants into our country, but they do have a unique story that can help us think about what we need to work on with them. So when I see patients in free clinic, We refer them oftentimes to specialists or to the emergency department 
because sometimes they they need that help. I mean, they are they are our patients, but to be able to provide that help in a culturally humble manner is a skill that I think every physician needs for that reason. It really does depend on a person's city exactly how often they'll encounter refugees. Philadelphia, where I go to medical school, uh, resettles a lot of refugees. So I, I get to work with them, which is really exciting. I know Houston is another city that resettles quite a few refugees. But there are also cities that that tend not to resettle refugees. And so that's something to keep in mind. The geographical distribution will be different from place to place. You've worked in and studied refugee health. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background in that? So during my master's program in global medicine, um, I had many opportunities to learn more about refugee health, and I took all of them. Um, I found it incredibly interesting, these individual stories, their backgrounds, and their narratives, quite honestly. I enjoyed hearing about um, their cultures and their countries of origin and about what really happened there to bring them here to the U.S. You know, what, what was their story of immigration? And to me, that was very important, so I started studying it. Um, when I became a medical student, I really wanted to apply what I had studied in a clinical setting because I had decided at that point in time that I wanted to work with refugees in some capacity through the rest of my career. And so in Philadelphia, I became the vice president of Refugee Health Partners, um, and I've had a chance to work with a lot of different clinics there, uh, mostly with the Bhutanese refugees in South Philadelphia. It's been an incredibly amazing and, and rewarding experience for me, and I've definitely learned a lot, and I hope that I've been able to help them in some way, shape, or form as well. How does the care provider know that the patient they may be working with is a refugee or is, could be uh, sort of a non-refugee immigrant? How do they identify or is it made known to them in some way? A social history, absolutely a social history, which I think is vastly overlooked. Um, but talking to a patient about kind of where they're coming from and you know, which countries they're coming from and what their experience has been like is, is very helpful. And studies show that if you do ask a refugee these questions, they'll tell you about it, but they may not bring it up on their own because it's not something they see as pertinent to their care. So patients facing a language barrier may be either non-refugee immigrants or refugees, but it is important to keep in mind that many refugees do have a language barrier. So that's something that you can use as a uh, potential clue into asking them more about their history and digging deeper into that to find out if they are a refugee or if they are just a new immigrant. For medical students interested in getting involved with helping refugees, how, how should they go about that? So there are a lot of different branches to helping refugees who are resettling in the U.S. Um, these individuals are oftentimes coming from a very low infrastructure setting, which are the refugee camps, to a very high infrastructure settings um, like the U.S. Um, and so it takes kind of a village to raise a child, if you will. It takes a lot of different aspects of helping individuals resettle into American life to help these in to empower these individuals to um, take care of their health and, and access health care. So yes, you can help out in clinics or in clinical settings, but you can also help out in education or in advocacy, getting these individuals insurance, teaching them about their eligibility, getting them plugged into the system. In education, uh, programs to really help raise awareness about different health conditions for these individuals is extraordinarily helpful. Um, this could be in physical health conditions. It could be mental health conditions. So there are a lot of different uh, facets to refugee care that I think medical students can interface with, and so can professionals. It's, it's, a very, it's an interprofessional team effort 
to help refugees um, adjust to their surroundings in the U.S. Refugee Health Partners at Jefferson has different branches for each of these different facets. So we do have an advocacy branch that goes out and works with refugees to get them involved. We have a health services branch that goes out and uh, enables these individuals to get flu shots and things of that nature um, and do screening tests for them. Uh, we have a clinics branch that runs clinics. We have an education branch that puts on programming to help these individuals. And we have branches within the university to try to get university students involved with their communities. And we have other branches that help university students get involved with the community and really interface with them. So it really is a team effort, and I think there are a lot of different things that we can do to help refugees as medical students. and. It's been really exciting being a part of kind of all of those things and helping coordinate all of those things um, as vice president of Refugee Health Partners. It's, it's, a great, it's a great place to be because I get to see what everybody else is doing and it really is incredible when we all get together and we work towards a common goal. If you'd like to learn more about Refugee Health, Pavitra will be presenting at AMSA's annual convention next month. Visit amsaconvention.org for details. A few weeks ago, Pavitra spoke with us in episode 27 about challenges in medical study abroad experiences. You can find that episode of AMSA AdLib in our archives through iTunes or streaming on SoundCloud. Just visit amsa.org adlib for links. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself with help from Carol Clark. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Deborah Hall is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lippincott resources, visit amsa.org WK.